God is like a parent, but God is also more than our experience of our parents. Welcome to Pursuing Life, a podcast of the Tempe Church and Oasis Campus Ministry in the beautiful desert of Tempe, Arizona. This podcast is for everyone who is curious about or seeking an intimate and transformative relationship with God. We invite you to take every conversation and tool as an invitation to find encouragement and partnership as we pursue life with God together. And we're here together today because we have begun a series at Oasis through our weekly gathering encounter called Who is God? That is the title of our series. And we are here today with Travis because he shared with us our new characteristic of who God is, which is God is... Parental. Parental, yes. <laughs> so I also call this talk what I learned about God from being a parent. <laughs> I okay. give some dis- disclaimers, and I, there's one that I think is appropriate. Yeah, yeah, still. absolutely. It's, it's kind of that... Um, so approaching uh, Scripture from just specifically experience, I think, is... Um, is a dangerous thing to do because then you go, well, I experienced my parent as being mean and God is a parent and therefore God is mean, you know? And so Mm -hmm. we need to kind of find a balance between um, how our experience and how scripture kind of inform what we understand. And so, um, so I'm kind of making the assumption that people know what the scriptures say about God and who he is as a parent. And so this is really how my experiences informed those scriptures about God being, you know, um, unconditionally loving and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's kind of that my experience helps me to understand better the scriptures that tell me about God. Yeah, I love that. So it's kind of like uh, your experiences help highlight right. um, what the scriptures are telling us. Um, helps kind of like put flesh on it yeah, in a way. It gives reality to mm-hmm. those things because otherwise, uh, for me, sometimes they were hard to understand. Mm-hmm. And so when I begin to experience those things to some extent myself, then it goes, oh, well, if I have that attribute to some extent, well, then it makes sense that God can have that attribute too, to you mm-hmm. know, a much higher degree, obviously. Yeah, I really loved, we had talked about that before you gave your talk. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like a core disclaimer that you had. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that. I remember kind of putting it into words of God is like um, our, a parent, but God is also more than our experience of our parents. Right. And I really, I really thought that that was just so critical. And I'm really glad that you gave that disclaimer. God is like more than the, the metaphors right. that we can create to define and describe God. They're only, the metaphors we have are only pieces, right? Yeah. And then our own experience is only a piece of that. Something that gives us understanding, but yet God is also more than that, especially when we're talking about having had bad experiences with your parents, which I think all of us could probably say that we've had 
really, you know, hopefully some good, like really good experiences with our parents. And then also some like negative consequences that have come from being raised. That's just the complexity of the human experience. Right. Uh, So I think it's really good that you like highlighted that. Well, and one of the other things um, is kind of, which I don't know if I talked about very much, but it's like that this really is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. I mean, God as parent or God as father is truly a metaphor. And so we can't take it to be, you know, to say, oh, well, everything about God is about is the same as being a father. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, that's not true. It's it's kind of, it helps describe God and the characteristics of him. But to go, you know, to the nth degree about God being father or parent is going to break down at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. kind of need to you use metaphors to, as they're helpful and kind of hold them loosely at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not being so, so tied to any one picture. Cause if we are, we lose, right. We lose the, the, the grand scale. Um, and I think, yeah. And ultimately we lose the fact that God, wants to be so deeply rooted to every part of our experience of living. Like God wants to live with us in, in every way. Right. You know, not just like a parent does with children. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's why Jesus uses so many parables to explain who God is and what the kingdom's mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. it's because it's like, well, it's a little bit like this and it's a little bit like this and it's mm-hmm. a little bit like this, you know, and so you kind of begin to get a fuller picture when you put them all together. And if you just grab one, it's, um, it, it's kind of going to be um, just kind of a minimal picture, um, not a fuller picture. Yeah. And so it's like you let each one uh, contribute what you can to uh, your understanding and mm-hmm. then you you know, kind of add them all together and go, God's all like all of these things, but you know, part of them is being parental. And how gracious, I mean, how gracious for God to give us those images. Yeah. Like it it really is like a grace filled thing, especially when you see Jesus like coming and he's speaking in parables, like you said, and they're in ways that the people can understand in ways that they connect with that, that, touch to their lived experience right Mm -hmm. and so the fact that god even gives us those that god puts language on it is really grace-filled yes yeah for us well and and i kind of use uh there's a passage where jesus is saying um, even if you you know you know how to give your kids Mm -hmm. the things they need you know when they need to eat you give them food and he says even as you as evil you know know how to give good things to your kids. Well, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give, you know, good things? Um, and so it's, so it's that idea of more, you know, we know how mm-hmm. to do, mm-hmm. you know, good for our kids in all kinds of different ways. Um, and God is so much bigger and better and fuller and, you know, infinite in his ability to do those same things. And so that's kind of, um, I guess what informed my experience. So if I'm, if I can learn to be, uh, unconditionally loving and to my children, mm-hmm. um, then and that kind of, and I get a, f- a idea of how that feels and what that means to me as a person and how powerful that is. Then I can begin to go, oh, so God feels something of that also. And so when I think of unconditional love, I can go, oh my daughter and my son, that's how I feel towards them. That's how God feels towards me. And so that begins to inform that and go, wow, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially when I think of more. 
because my attachment and my affection for my children is this thing that um, is so deeply ingrained in me. Um, it's like I have I have a hard time explaining it. It mm-hmm. you know, the, and I'm not great with words anyway, but it's just the kind of this undescribable feeling. And so to picture God, the creator of the universe, having that kind of affection towards me mm-hmm. is like, that's, you know, staggering. Um, yeah. It's like, wow, that's, that's what that means. So it, it begins to go, oh, so no matter what I do, it's not, that doesn't change God's affection for me. It's not based upon my performance. You know, like my, the illustration I gave, you know, my son learning to um, be in plays and he, you know, started out just, you know, barely singing with the choir. And then, you know, after six, seven years, he's, you know, got the lead. And it was like my affection for my son didn't change because now he's the lead. So I, I just love him so much more. You know, that's not the way it goes. It was like, it, it was already there. Um, and so um, that kind of helps to make me realize that that's, that's how God sees me. It's not the things that I do that makes him more attached or more um, loving towards me. It was like, that just is. It's just something that is there. Yeah, I, I really love that when you were talking about it with us because I've, I don't have children, you know, but I've often heard my dad make very similar statements about how, you know, I won't ever understand until I have a child, mm-hmm. the degree to which he loves me and just cares for me. And I like that you use the word affection mm-hmm. uh, because I think sometimes, sometimes love in itself is just this really like big word. And I think sometimes we throw it around so much that we kind of forget different nuances of it or, or mm-hmm. what it actually means. And because God loves us, but in in that like i desire you like i i i want you to flourish i like who you are mm-hmm. you know i almost i almost enjoy saying that of like god doesn't just love us he likes us mm-hmm. you know god likes the person that we are the person that we're becoming you know kind of how you you know you're back there cheering on your son at every stage of his development and you like him right. like you like him even when he's fumbling around and maybe doesn't quite grasp you know mm-hmm. uh how to how to be this you know epic how to give an epic monologue or right. you know you like him even when he's just this, this kid in the back Mm -hmm. and you like him the same when he is up front really uh, flourishing and and being excited about what he's doing and he's gifted and talented and I think that that's I think that's really important for us as human beings you know because I think sometimes we think oh yeah God loves me yeah of course but like God thinks that you're interesting Mm -hmm. and unique and wants to see you become more you like wants Mm. to see you become who you were made to be and wants to see you flourish in in the different gifting that you have or you know and I think that's just I think we miss that sometimes yeah I mean because obviously my son and daughter are very different people Mm -hmm. um they you know perceive the world differently they interact with it differently um you know but it's like my affection for them it's still, I mean, it's it's the same and different, 
because they're different people. But it's, you know, that's still this um, incredibly strong, you know, attachment and affection for them. And so you're right, the, the uniqueness doesn't take away from, it actually adds to the affection that's for that person, for that child. The first aspect of God being parent, which right. is uh, having this unconditional love, right. this, un, you know, kind of this affection for us. And then the second aspect of God being a parent is? Um, wanting your child to grow and mature. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Because um, as a parent, I mean, it's funny, parents, <laughs> they... Uh, brag about the funniest things. My child sat up, you know, my child roll over, you know, all these things, you know, when they walked, all these things. But it's like, because as a parent, you are um, already invested in this child. And so as you want them to learn and grow and mature, you don't go, okay, you know, they're a day old, they don't ever need to do anything else. They can just you be like this. And, but, you know, it's like you don't. You, you realize what potential they might have, and so you want to help that uh, grow and um, flourish and, you know, kind of whatever you can do to help that along mm-hmm. is what you do. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's just, so, it's, like, it's just ingrained in being a parent. Um, and um, I guess one of the things to, that I also have mentioned is that these feelings are complex, um, because sometimes our own identities get wrapped up in there, and so that's not always the healthiest thing. Um, but you know, you kind of have to keep these. You know, it's like at my best <laughs> when I'm when I'm being the the least selfish, least self-absorbed parent. You know, and then that's kind of what I'm seeing in God. You know, not the my, my own. You know, oh, my child's doing good, so I'm. You know, that's a good reflection on me. And so yeah, know, trying to like feed your own ego, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, just wanting your child to grow because you want them to grow and flourish mm-hmm. and to, to um, be, have a happy and fulfilled life and to contribute to society in positive ways, um, you know. And so, um, so it's, it seems very natural to me that kind of to think of God that way. So you decide to, you know, dedicate your life to God. And um, so why would God say, yep, you and your brokenness as you are right now, that's all you ever need to be. Mm. You know, because there are things in our lives at the, that point that are um, harmful to ourselves and harmful to all kinds of people around us. So as a loving parent, why would you go, yep, that's fine. You don't need to change at all because you want the best for your child. And so if your child is harming themselves by lying all the time, then you want to help them go, this is not the healthy way to live. That how you interact with people is going to be harmful to you and harmful to yourself. And so you would, you would help them to grow in that respect. You wouldn't mm-hmm. say, that's good enough. You, you don't have to change. And so there's all kinds of ways that I think God interacts with us and we interact with God to help us to uh, be healthier people in mm-hmm. our interaction with each other. Because that's part of it too, is that um, you're a child of God too, and so He has the same affection for you. And so, if I'm harming you, that's a problem. You know, He doesn't want me harming you. I don't want my kids fighting with each other and you know causing harm to each other by being insulting and putting each other down. You know, you put a stop to that. You go, that's not okay mm-hmm. for you to harm mm-hmm. my other child yeah. because I care for you both. 
Um, and so um, it seems kind of preposterous to me for God to go, yep, that's all you need. Just you come to me as you are, and we'll never work on anything after that. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, keep, I keep getting the image of Israel, actually. Mm. You know, we, we see that, I think, because we have so many of our metaphors of God as a parent figure from the Hebrew scriptures. And just thinking about how God does come to Israel, this community, and, and keeps coming back again and again and saying, the way that you're treating one another is not of me. Right. This is not what I desire for you. I want you to live in this, you know, kind of really up, lifting up this image of, of what we would say is like the kingdom, you know, this image of community that is where everyone is valued and cared for and has what they need. And so God does, yeah, on an individual basis, I, I really see that of wanting us to flourish. And then also, like you said, communally, God mm-hmm. wants us to flourish, uh, to be a society where everyone can uniquely live into the love of God, you know, and experience that fully. So I think one of the challenges as a parent that we have is like in trying to help our kids grow, we use methods that sometimes make our fe- our children um, feel like the love is contingent upon their performance. Um, because that's partly how we see life. And so we interpret um, our parents' actions as going, well, if I do well in school, then my parents love me. And if I'm not doing well, then they don't love me as well. Um, or when I misbehave, they don't love me as well. Um, and, and I think sometimes that's um, because parents, we don't do a good job of communicating clearly um, because it, it's, it's, it's complicated, right? And so we might feel disappointed or sad or, or even hurt. And so sometimes that comes out in how we interact with our children. But, um, and so then it very much begins to feel um, like my love from my parent is dependent upon my performance, And yet, in our better moments, that's not the case. You know, it's like, it's not about my child's performance. I I do want them to grow, and I want to help give them incentives and discipline to help them grow, but it's like the core of my affection for my child is not different based upon, you know, those uh, behaviors or, you know, uh, failures that they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is like, as as a parent, hopefully you see behind the behavior. Mm. Now, hopefully you see a picture of, of who this child can become. Right. Right. And, and who they can be formed into. And maybe you see where their behavior is reflective of, you know, pain or uh, questions of identity or, just different trauma that we can experience, you know, maybe hopefully you're able to be intimate enough with your child to ask kind of these deeper questions of, even though you're, you're behaving in this way, maybe you're, you have an outburst of some kind, even though you're behaving in this way, I can see that you are actually, this is kind of like an outcry of your being that you're asking a deeper question. You know, maybe you're asking, am I safe? Or am I loved? Am I of value? Um, does anyone want me? You know, these these really deeper questions. And the thing about it is, is God is very acutely aware of those questions. And, and I think that's where God wants us to become 
who we were meant to be, which is beloved. Right. And God wants us to live in that reality. And and I think that is really critical that that as parents or as people who are just interacting with anyone in our world, that we try to try to say, okay, what is a deep what's the deeper question here that your behavior is communicating or trying to ask or demanding, you know, demanding to be cared for, to be seen. Yeah. You know, what are those deeper questions? Yeah, and then that's where I think it's important, um, kind of going back again to go, God is more. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. as a parent, I do the best I can to not make my child feel like their uh, love is based upon their performance, mm-hmm. but God can do that and does do that yeah. um, in a perfect way, <laughs> um, as opposed to you know my flawed um, expression of what it means to be a parent. And that's kind of an interesting thing to think of is that God is the perfect parent and I'm a reflection of him. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's almost like a reverse metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 But, but we, we have the ability to, you know, we're made in the image of God. So we do have the ability to embody God's love. Right. For our kids. Yeah. yeah. Even even though we will, of course, be flawed mm-hmm. um, in some way or another, but we do have that ability. Yeah. So it does it kind of a reverse <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be what God is perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know. But what a high, what a high thing to ascribe to, especially I think as parents, you know, of course I'm not a parent, so I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, to the parents in the, in the room, I'm, I'm not right. trying to criticize you, but but especially because so much of our image of God comes from our parents right. and our relationship with them. That is, that is where we form attachments early on. And mm-hmm. if we're unable to form healthy attachments, it's going to be more difficult for us to form a healthy attachments to God yeah. uh, or to, or to other people in the future. It, it really just sets a pattern. And so I think, you know, what a high calling to, to try to be like God yeah. as a parent. And it's no small thing. Yeah, to, to it is no small thing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And, you know, for me, not being a parent, it makes me think, wow, I need to be really, I need to be really <laughs> intentional about if I choose to become a parent. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it is, it's such a, it's such a high calling. But, but I'm glad that we're talking about this. I'm glad we're talking about God as having this parental image because so often we, Again, talking about your disclaimer at the beginning, we don't realize how much of our image of God is directly connected to our parents. Right. And we need to really sit and think about that and dwell with that because we can have some really negative, inaccurate pictures yeah. of who God is. I think it's important to, to, I guess, think about both. It's like, so what is my picture of God? Mm-hmm. And then what's my picture of my parents, particularly my father, mm-hmm. and see how those compare uh, and differ um, and go, well, is that is that an accurate picture of who Jesus paints yeah. the Heavenly Father as? Yeah. And, then stro- and then it's a struggle, though. It's like when you see those differences, it's like how do you, because you've only had one, you know, father. Uh, and so it's like how do you begin to transition that to, um, who God really is as father. And mm-hmm. that's, that's not a small thing either. Yeah. 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 I wonder, you know, I'm thinking about even Jesus, like the life of Jesus. And it is so interesting that Jesus, own father is 
absent mm. from the narrative, really, except yeah. for these very brief glimpses at the beginning of the Gospels. We know that Joseph existed, but, you know, we kind of assume that maybe he passed when Jesus was young. But it, it is interesting just to see how God absolutely fills that role mm-hmm. in Jesus's life. Mm. Yeah, you just reminded me. So, I mean, we know Joseph was there at you know, Jesus' age 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we don't know after, I mean, he's not mentioned after that. But it's it's interesting to think that Jesus became the man of the household at some point. That's true, yeah. And he had brothers and sisters. And so it's like, that's, that's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought of that before, but Jesus was kind of the surrogate father mm-hmm. to his brothers and sisters for a period of time, probably. So, Well, and to a degree, I really sense that even from Jesus with the disciples. Mm. If we think about how young many of the disciples probably were, like 17, mm-hmm. you know, 20, Jesus is sig- significantly o- older than them and in and, and a very, yes, a very parental role in many ways. I mean, look at him just... He is dealing with kind of outburst, you know, outburst questions. Competition between the siblings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he is dealing with it all. And that's, that's so interesting. And yet he's, he never comes across as, as unloving, as not present or absent from them. He just walks with them. Mm-hmm. Allows them to journey with him yep. through all of that kind of what feels kind of like teenage angst <laughs> among the disciples. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. <laughs> so you had a, your final kind of aspect. So we talked about God as parental features this unconditional love. And then we've talked about how God is parental uh, how would you say the second kind of the second one is wants a child to grow and mature? Yeah, wants wants us to grow and mature, mm-hmm. flourish, mm-hmm. and then the last one. So uh, wants your child to be safe, um, mm-hmm. and so um, I, I was talking about how you know it's like as soon as you bring your child home. I mean, it's it's about you know how do I keep the poison away from my child, the electricity away from my child, you know, so they don't you know touch things that are hot, you I know, mean, all those things, and it's and it just starts as soon as they bring them home and as they're going to school and, you know, interacting with, you know, social media or Mm -hmm. TV or music, you know, and uh, their friends. I mean, it's just there's this constant um, desire to keep your child safe, you know, socially and emotionally and physically. Um, It's That's such a huge part of being a parent. Um, And it doesn't stop with... um, you know, your kids turning 18 and leaving home. I mean, my kids are 20 and 22 and that's still this huge, you know, desire that I have for them is, you know, how do I help them be safe in different ways that I still can? Um, and, and, and so that's such a core of being a parent and, and I don't see in scripture where it says, you know, that God is trying to keep us safe but there is language that talks about being your rock and fortress and protector, which are those mm-hmm. things, different words for the same thing. And um, so I'm challenged by that, though, at the same time, because it's, it's uncle- it, there's, there's unclear uh, aspects to how God keeps us safe. 
because Jesus died on a cross and the disciples, they got flogged and were martyred. And, you know, and yet you observe Jesus as he walked and he seemed to feel safe. Yeah. So, so there's an aspect of this idea of safety that is a little more complicated than just physical safety. Mm-hmm. Though I don't want to say it's just spiritual safety. That seems like that's, um, I don't know, um, going to the opposite extreme. So there's, mm-hmm. I think there's a balance of, you know, there's, there's some level of physical safety that is involved, but there's also, you know, um, from a spiritual standpoint, uh, you know, that's a big part of it too. Um, and so I, I kind of wrapped up kind of going that, that, it's not an easy answer, but I think that is uh, very much who God is, that God is safe, and that mm-hmm. it's a struggle for us to really embrace that and understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I store, uh, share the, the story with my daughter. Is that mm-hmm. you wanted me to do that now? Um, before you do that, I, I did want to kind of talk a little bit more about what you just said. I think that I'm so glad that you brought up this this idea of God as as being safe because I I just sensed in myself as you were talking this desire that I have had most of my life to feel safe and I think that that's probably a desire that many of us have especially maybe if you are like me and maybe you grew up in you know kind of 911 and and mm. you know different different major catastrophes and and especially because the world has grown so much smaller in some ways mm-hmm. in just the last decades we just know so much more about all the trauma going on all over absolutely the world. Yeah. yeah we do and and also i think part of it as well is we feel so exposed mm. online it you know we feel like our lives are exposed to criticism at every turn mm-hmm. And cancel culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, and we just see, we just see that happening so often. And so I think this desire for safety has been something I've, I've felt for a long time. Uh, I remember kind of confiding in, in a mentor and, you know, just being really frustrated that people were so unsafe, you know, that, that it just felt like you couldn't, you can't trust people. People will burn you. People will hurt you. People will, you know, stab you in the back. And I just remember just craving so much that the members of my community would protect me, you know, would, would kind of guard me and, Mm -hmm. and kind of having that realization again and again, that, that people are always in flux. People are complex. Mm -hmm. People are not always going to be able to show up for you and to kind of help you feel secure. And so for you to say that, I, it really hit home with me of, oh, God is safe. God is safety. God God keeps me secure. And, and I like that you're talking about the complexities of that, of what does that mean to live in a world where, you know, natural disasters happen and and people hurt one another. And what does that mean? And and I kind of have been wondering if maybe it, it you know, n- not really necessarily spiritualizing it too much, but how I, I do think that God in, in raising us, you know, in helping us flourish, I think part of that is, is God helps us 
to learn to walk in the chaos. You know, we've talked about that before, Mm -hmm. but I do kind of think that more and more of that, of God teaches us to be like Jesus in the sense of where we are living in uncertain and tumultuous times. And yet we are so rooted, you know, we are abiding in God that the betrayal of our friends, the you know, physical pain we might endure, the uncertainty, we know that we are held. We know that we are cared for. We know that we can walk on the water. You know, we can walk on it even in the midst of the storm. We can do that. And I think God is trying to help us grow in that. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it, it's, it is complicated. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that there are, um, there are ways that um, God protects us physically that we don't give God credit for mm-hmm. or that we don't think about. Um, there's a... I can't remember if it was in a movie or something, but somebody had a, a, a like a, a talisman that kept the tigers away. And it was like, and he says, we don't have tigers here. And he said, oh, well, see, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, not around at all. But it, it's kind of like, you know, when we don't see the the bad that didn't happen to us, then it's like, well, we don't know that we were protected. Sure, um, absolutely. And so I think there's some degree that that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, you know, Jesus was... Um, you know, before he calmed the seas, you know, he said, you know, you know, why are you afraid? You know, it's kind of like this, this isn't something to be afraid of. Um, you know, the I was trying to think of some of the others, like Paul's journey where he, he were bitten by a snake and, you know, didn't die from it. You know, I mean, there, there's examples of physical things, physically bad things happening or almost happening and being delivered. Um, oh, how many po- times is Paul shipwrecked? Right. And he just... You know, is thrown up on the shore somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and I think Paul and both G- and Jesus also um, at times people wanted to stone them, and they just walked through the crowd. And it's like, yeah. wait, mm-hmm. how do you do that? So, I mean, it's like something was going on that made it possible for them just to you know walk through this mad crowd who's going to stone them. And it's like, so I think there is very much uh, a degree of physical protection that is happening. Um, as we're, you know, embracing uh, our relationship with God. Um, but I think that there's also very much um, the side that, um, you know, Jesus says, you know, don't fear the one that can kill your body, but, you know, body and soul. Um, and so there's that side of it, too, that um, I can walk in this world um, confident because of what I know that God's got me, that this life is not all there is. Um, that it'll, like Paul says, you know, to live is Christ. So I get to do these things in the world, you know, kind of with Christ living in me, but to die, that's gain. Mm -hmm. So it's this balance between those two, even in that kind of a a respect. So, um, yeah, it's, but it's not easy. It, yeah, it's absolutely not easy, (laughs) especially depending on our, past experiences right yeah it can be really difficult to not be 
afraid to not be anxious. Mm-hmm. It was interesting and when we had the discussion afterwards, this was the one that we spent the most time talking about, was the idea of being safe and what does it mean to be safe with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's so such an important conversation. Such an important conversation. Do you want to share uh, the story about Mackenzie? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so she was uh, having a very rough day, and she had. Um, uh, so she was crying, and and we had lunch together, and um, and so finally, it was kind of after things had settled down a bit. But um, I was asking her. I felt I don't know why exactly I felt compelled to ask this, but I said, um, you know, why did you come to me? And she said because you are always there for me. And I asked again, why? And she said, because you love me. And I asked again, why? And she said, because you are safe. Which is interesting, because I didn't change the situation. And yet, she felt safe. And it, when she said that, it made me go, I want to feel that with God. Mm-hmm. I want to be safe in God. Way better than I know I am with my daughter. Mm. Especially even if mm. the circumstance is not different or, right. or fixed, quote unquote fixed or changed. Even if, can I still feel safe with God? Mm-hmm. And what is that like? You know, that's that's my question is, is what does it what is it like to feel safe with God? And I think that's why it's so important. This series that we're doing is like, who is God? You know, and, and really digging into those ideas because it's it's so important. It's like because you know the character of God, then I think you can feel safe. It's like that's what it was with McKinsey because she you know, knew of me and we'd experienced these things together and I had been a safe place in the past. Yeah. And so therefore she felt safe. And so it's like, as we keep exploring these ideas of who is God, how has he shown himself to be uh, faithful in all kinds of different ways? Um, and so that's, I think that's really important for us to keep digging into that. Yeah. And I think that's an opportunity for us to practice as well. Maybe the next time we feel unsafe we feel like the world is out of control Mm -hmm. or someone has hurt us maybe we could take some time to just get curious about what it would be like to turn to god Mm. and and how that would feel you know what would it be like to invite god into that situation whether that's dealing with someone else or just different circumstances that are kind of outside of our control often, what would it be like to, to just say, God, I want to feel safe with you. Mm. I want to lean into you in in this moment rather than whatever may be our other coping mechanisms or ways that we try to control the situation or fix it or, or help ourselves feel safe. What might be a way that we could seek that in God? think that would be an awesome prayer is God how do I feel safe with you help Mm -hmm. me feel safe in you Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Travis, for being here with us. And to all you who are listening to this, we pray that you will find unconditional love and someone who wants you to flourish and safety in God as your parent. Thank you to you who are listening. Thank you. (laughs) We're so appreciated that you've been here and that you've been a part of this conversation. And we, our prayer is that you just take what has been helpful, um, that you will leave behind what has not been helpful and that this will just be a tool for you in your journey with God. Um, If you would like to to support the work of this podcast and the work of our community at the Tempe Church of Christ and Oasis Campus Ministry, uh, you can donate at tempechurch.org. A link will be in our show notes to that as well. Um, Any amount helps us continue the work that God is asking us to do here in the beautiful urban desert of Tempe, Arizona. Have a wonderful week. Mm -hmm.